Hey, podcast listeners, this is Brian Edwards Teekert. I thought we'd bring you an extra today from our live show up front on KPFA. We just had Slate's April Glazer over to our studios to kind of do an explainer breakdown on everything that has blown up over the course of the past week in the face of the world's largest social media company. Here you go. Speaking of live radio, uh, Facebook's been having its live radio moment for the past few days. I, I want to do a quick recap. Um, Friday, the company says publicly in order to preempt forthcoming stories in both the New York Times and The Guardian that, oops, uh, user data on 50 million people on their platform made its way to a political consulting firm, Cambridge Analytica, that was not supposed to have it. And although the firm said it had deleted it two years prior, it turned out it probably did not. Uh, this is a firm that consulted on Brexit, consulted for Ted Cruz, consulted for the Donald Trump campaign. Monday... Channel 4 UK TV station releases an investigation in which they had an undercover reporter uh, pose as someone representing wealthy clients who wanted to interview, uh, wanted to influence elections in Sri Lanka. Meeting with the CEO of Cambridge Analytica, who told him that their tactics include uh, offering bribes to politicians and video recording them, accepting them in order to ruin them, uh, and using Ukrainian sex workers to seduce and then compromise them. Tuesday, that CEO, Alexandra Alex, was fired. Uh, also on Monday, geez, I've got my timeline jumbled. The head of security, Alex Stamos, at Facebook, uh, word came out in the New York Times that he will be leaving as of August, reportedly because of disputes within the company over how transparent it should be uh, about some of the political problems the platform is encountering with possible Russian influence during the election and with security breaches uh, and how vigilant it should be about those security issues. whole lot to unpack here. Hard to untangle what to care about. Um, and so we have brought in someone who spent a lot more time covering it than we have. April Glazer writes about tech for Slate. She's been covering everything involving Cambridge Analytica and Facebook. She previously worked at the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Thank you for coming in. Thanks for having me. Can you walk us through the mechanics? Like, how, how did Cambridge Analytica come to have this data on 50 million Facebook users? Sure. So in, in 2014, Cambridge Analytica's parent company, uh, SCL Group, which is based out of London, uh, contracted a professor from Cambridge to create an app, like a Facebook quiz. And many of us have probably taken these kinds of personality quizzes on Facebook. They were, I think, more popular a few years ago. But when you took the quiz, you had to download it. And in when you downloaded it, you consented for that quiz to, you know, accept all or to give all of your information to that app developer, right? So that included your likes and your friends list and, you know, who else, who knows what else, possibly like what pages you visit and, and the pages that, that you also like. Um, and that information was then siphoned over to Cambridge Analytica, who paid for this app to be created. Now, only 270,000 people actually downloaded this app to take, uh, to take the quiz, but Facebook's policies at the time were incredibly porous and allowed app developers to not just collect data on the people who downloaded it, but also all of their friends, right? And so you have hundreds or thousands of friends on Facebook. That number inflated to 50 million people who had their data harvested from Facebook from this app. And then that uh, data was then handed over to Cambridge Analytica uh, for their voter targeting kind of and voter manipulation kind of tactics that were employed in the Cruz campaign. And then uh, later in the Trump campaign, Cambridge Analytica, we should note, is funded by the secretive billionaire family, the Mercers that also fund Breitbart News. So uh, so that's kind of how this data came into the hands of the voter targeting firm. But, but to be clear, 
the data leaving Facebook was totally in compliance with Facebook's rules. Yeah, at the they, time. they took it's it through just the front that it door. They changed hands after the fact. That's right. They took it straight through the front door. So, you know, Facebook is arguing over and over and over again, this wasn't a breach, this wasn't a breach. And when they say that, they're saying that this wasn't a security flaw that was exploited. This was a policy Facebook had. Now, Facebook says that you weren't supposed to hand that data then over to a fourth party from the third party, which would be Cambridge Analytica. And that's where the fault lies. And that's where it was illegitimate. Facebook requested that this data be deleted in 2015 when they found out about it. They did not alert users when they found out that Cambridge Analytica had, you know, harvested or had taken the data that was harvested and was using it in the, the cruise campaign. The Guardian reported in December 2015 that uh, Cambridge Analytica was using uh, illegitimately harvested data from Facebook. And Facebook then requested it was deleted. They found out later that it wasn't actually deleted. And so, you know, now we know that that data was also uh, used in the Trump campaign. It's, it's, it's a big mess. But basically, Facebook knew about this for two years. They didn't alert anyone that it had happened. Um, they're still saying it, it wasn't a breach, uh, even though the outcome is the same as a breach because the data ended up in the wrong hands. But there's a legal implication to them saying there was a breach. There is. There are state laws around the country that uh, say that if there was a data breach, then you have to inform the people who were affected of that breach in some way. Uh, if not, uh, Facebook could face fines. <laughs> They're facing a lot more right now. I mean, like, the company's lost, what, like, 15... 15- Sorry, $50 billion in value over the course of the last three days? Yeah, they're already very, which I don't feel that bad for them because they already have a ton of money. I mean, it's not like they're not going to be profitable this year. Uh, what but does that mean? What, lost $50 billion, how? It means in, in their valuation. So people who kind of like value their stock are saying that it's not worth as much anymore. And so their shareholders, who, as I said, are already very wealthy, so my sympathies don't necessarily lie with them, are, are seeing cuts to, to how much their, their stock is valued. Uh, April Glazer is our guest. She writes on tech for Slate. So, like, what do we know about what Cambridge Analytica actually did with the data on 50 million people that it got from Facebook? Well, uh, that's a bit cloaked, but from what we know from from what's been reported and and what they also say, Cambridge Analytica does a tactic that they call psychographic targeting. And that, uh, they say, means they take all of this information on, you know, the pages that you visit and and like and your emotions that day, and then they tailor ads specifically to how you feel. So if you're a working mother... uh, and uh, you're concerned about childcare, maybe, you know, towards three o'clock when school gets out, they're going to show you an ad for Trump that's like warm and fuzzy and doesn't have his voice in it. And this is actually what somebody who worked on the digital arm of Trump's campaign said that they did. Um, and, uh, and they were targeting ads specifically at people based on their emotional states, they said. It's hard to know, like, if this is, you know, was effective if, or if this is that different than, say, what Obama did in 2012 when he was heavily targeting people on Facebook as well. Well, and, and not that new. I remember mm-hmm. when I'm trying to think when the last time I had a real job five years ago, I think when I was a comms director for a nonprofit. Wait, Cap Brooks, what's the job and you we- do with me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm feeling a little hurt over okay, here in the we'll corner. D- we'll, we'll deal with your emotions after the show. Um, but uh, <clears throat> I was a comms director. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of when the like the Facebook ad stuff was first coming out and people were trying to figure out, you know, how best to use it to promote messages. And I remember the Facebook rep explaining to me, like said it right there, in your private messages, if you and your the person you're talking to say the word golf three times, you're gonna see golf ads mm-hmm. start to come up in your thing. So this is not Facebook being in your business or affiliates with Facebook 
mining your data to impact your emotional uh, state and or your buying power is is not really that new. It's not that new. And I think it's important to remember that it was just in November of last year that ProPublica found that they were able to buy ads specifically targeted at bigoted search terms or interests. So they did an investigation where they tried to buy ads uh, looking for people who were interested in the term Jew haters or how to burn Jews. And they were able to target ads specifically to people with those interests. So this is actually baked into Facebook's system where you can target target towards, uh, you know, incredibly bigoted things or, or incredibly personal things. That said, Cambridge Analytica did have this data. They were working in the same office as the Trump campaign's digital arm in San Antonio, Texas. They shared an office. They they were having strategies. Facebook sent liaisons, as did Google, to the Trump campaign. And people on the Trump campaign, including Brad Periscale, who uh, was kind of the head of, of his campaign, as well as uh, Teresa Hong, who, who led a lot of the digital effort, have said that without Facebook, Trump wouldn't have won. So um, whether it was, you know, through Facebook's own tools or, or Cambridge Analytica's like, you know, magic sauce or whatever they have, uh, there was certainly um, a lot of work happening on Facebook, um, highly directed, targeted work. It's hard to differentiate, though, that uh, Cambridge Analytica's expertise from, from Facebook's own tools that they offer. Well, I guess that raises an important question. Uh, if the same tools are available to Democrats and the Green Party and the Libertarian Party, um, why does it advantage a Trump campaign? That's a great question. Uh, I mean, we saw it advantage the Obama campaign in 2012. I just think it matters, you know, how good your people are on it, right? Uh, how uh, much your voters are or your constituents are on or dependent on Facebook. Um, you know, what you target them towards and, and how specific your marketing is. You know, I think the Hillary Clinton campaign was probably much more confident in many ways. That's been reported. And perhaps they didn't target with the same, you know, accuracy or precision or or maybe they didn't have the data that Cambridge Analytica had to target people with, you know, such specific psychographic techniques, as they call it. It's debated how effective Cambridge Analytica is if they were just selling snake oil. Um, but, you know, whatever it was, Trump won. And and, uh, and a lot of that has been attributed to his digital efforts. Uh, Cambridge Analytica also worked on the Leave.eu campaign, which was a successful campaign to have Britain uh, leave the European Union. So they've had successful campaigns with this. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to untangle all the incentives, right? Because mm -hmm. Cambridge Analytica has every incentive to hype their effectiveness. That's how they get new clients. Um, and the Trump campaign didn't necessarily choose to work with them because they were the best consulting firm to work with. It's because... Robert Mercer was pouring a lot of money into the Trump campaign. If you want his money, you work with his consultants. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, I mean, I, I guess what I've been struggling with keeping up with the news headlines is like the big story, Cambridge Analytica, which is this shady political actor, or is the bigger story Facebook and that this is basically business as usual with, with one minor rules breach? Well, Cambridge Analytica sure is shady, and they um, have been engaged in, you know, 200 elections across the world. And uh, as as we learned from the Channel 4 report that you spoke about earlier, they certainly uh, have, you know, it's not above them to stage uh, scandals and, and bring in Ukrainian sex workers or, or stage bribes, catch that on film, and then, and then distribute that as propaganda across the Internet. That's not good. <laughs> that said... 
Facebook let them do this, you know? And Facebook has 2.2 billion users that they are responsible for. And yes, we use Facebook for free and in exchange for that, we give them our data. But it's not like we have a choice to use Facebook or not, you know? It's not like you can go to another social network and there's going to be just as many people there that you can interact with. It's not like your family is somewhere else. Or if you run a political campaign, it's not like there are other places you can go to promote your event. Or if you have a small business, there are other places you can go to, like, put your business up if it's not in the service industry and Yelp doesn't really make sense for you. I mean, people don't have the uh, the le- the luxury to, to migrate elsewhere. There's a network effect here. And, you know, with that, um, Facebook has a responsibility to the people who depend on it as a communications platform to act responsibly and to, to take that trust seriously. And they clearly haven't here because we see political operatives just take our data out of the front door, target us in incredibly manipulative ways, as well as not just political operatives, but, you know, mortgage companies and advertisers and, and, and you know, all of these things that uh, aren't just sending us ads like we would on television or radio where we can change the channel and, and maybe not look at the ad. There's nowhere you can go. You can't change the channel with Facebook. There's not another Facebook to migrate to. I mean, I, I, I agree that corporations should be socially responsible in their engagements, and I'm also really clear that they're not. Yes, right? they're not. Um, and Brian mentioned that you you, you worked at EFF, and, and one of the things that we talked about yesterday briefly uh, at the top of the show was I brought up personal responsibility. Like, once you're armed with this information, like, what should what should end users be doing to to mitigate some of this? What kinds of things should, like, for instance, don't take those quizzes anymore. Like, <laughs> right, which, which, by the way, are up every single day. Or, so even or though, give really weird answers. Right, but... but Farmville. I, but I, right, but <laughs> yeah. I want to make clear that those exact, those quizzes are on Facebook still, mm-hmm. even though they know that this is how this data was mined. But, but where is the... What, what can we do? Right. And so, like I was saying, I wouldn't put the onus on users. I would put the onus on Facebook. There is stuff that people can do, and, and they should kind of have a... Uh some uh, f- some friction with their relationship with Facebook, right? They should go into their privacy settings and turn it all off. Don't let that be shared. Facebook is required uh, because of a 2011 consent decree with the FCC, or the FTC rather, the Federal Trade Commission, um, to have users uh, uh, consent uh, affirmatively to how their data is shared. Um, they might be in violation of that, according to former people at the FTC, which could cost them 40000 a violation, which could be huge if we're we're talking about tens of millions of people. Um, the FTC is currently investigating them. Wow. Another reason why Facebook is like very nervous about what they're calling this right now. Huh. Uh, who, who appoints the head of the FTC? Who appoints the head of the FTC? Yeah. Trump. <laughs> oh. Yes, it is a federal agency, and 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 you know Congress does have to approve that appointment. Uh, and the FTC is a rather toothless agency, as 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 are are many federal regulatory bodies. Unfortunately, if we look at them historically as an antitrust and consumer protection body. But your, your your question, Kat, which is a good one, is what can people do? Go into your settings, toggle it off if it bothers you, and, you know, be very aware of, of what you post on Facebook, including your emotional states. If, you, if you're if you sad about a breakup or, or you're ecstatic about a new job, Facebook's going to catch that and probably send you something that will tailor to that emotional state in some way. And you should um, be aware of that and be critical of it. So yesterday, our colleague Mitch Jezerich kind of raised the question, well, Okay, now people are calling about talking about hauling Mark Zuckerberg into oversight hearings in Congress. Um, you have this large, basically, network monopoly. That's uh-huh. how you describe a company like Facebook that uh, is a monopoly because it has all the users, right? It's it's already got a critical mass nobody can compete with. 
question is, well, like, what would regulation look like? Are you going to start having government censorship of stuff on the platform? Are there public utility-like rules that could apply to it? Where, where is that discussion happening of what a regime uh, better than Facebook policing itself, which is clearly not working? Unfortunately, most of that discussion is limited to um, how political ads are uh, presented on the platform. Right now, there are no laws about or there aren't clear laws and, and there's all of these loopholes that are that are uh, engineered uh, for when political ads are posted on Facebook. You don't have to say who paid for them or like where it came from. You don't even have to have a link. And these ads can be um, like even dark money posts, we call them, where, uh, where we don't even know what page paid for them. They just show up, right? And so we saw um, a lot of ads uh, for Trump kind of uh, showing up on African-American people's pages, uh, showing that the Hillary Clinton clip of her, uh, you know, uh, 20 years ago, uh, talking about uh, black youth in a really terrible way. They were using that to advertise to Africa, you know, which is which was a, a, a real clip that she said. That's fine. But but Trump, the Trump campaign was also using that right. in a way they weren't advertising. Right. And so to suppress turnout, to suppress turnout. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they have to realize, like, how all of these things are used when we see these things on our Facebook. Where is it coming from? Uh, political uh, advertisers are not allowed to list that. There is a, an act right now that's championed by a um, Mark Warner is senator from uh, Virginia, as well as Amy Klobuchar from Minnesota, uh, as well as uh, John McCain from Arizona. They are all, uh, it's called the Honest Ads Act, and they are trying to push for uh, political disclosure or like uh, uh, like disclosure of, of who paid for the ads. Um, but I will... Uh, underline this whole conversation with the fact that there is no comprehensive online digital privacy law in the United States. Mm. The, uh, the, the, the most recent online digital privacy law uh, is about uh, how the federal government can access your email, which is incredibly permissive. It's about 30 years old. And I think it's high time, I don't think I know it's high time, that we have some sort of, of regulation of this industry. If you want to look at an uh, industry model where we say self-regulation has failed, I would say the digital advertising industry is probably the best example of that you're when you're wearing your reporter hat uh, you talk to a lot of people who work at facebook sure some on the record some off the record what what conversations are happening inside the company uh, we know that uh, there is a lot of confusion, a lot of questions coming from employees. Uh, and we know that uh, Mark Zuckerberg has not addressed the company yet. Uh, the, the general counsel uh, addressed them in a meeting yesterday, kind of talking about some of the things that Facebook is doing to, to, to be less porous in terms of the data that spills out. Uh, Facebook uh, employees are, you know, some think that, you know, people agreed to this. It was a user agreement. And this is just like a, you know, if then computer statement where you agreed to it and then we took it. So what? Right. And they don't really um, aren't looking at the nuances of like the way these agreements are, are kind of presented to people, which are arduous blocks of text that we click through and agree to and then don't read. And, and, and we have to be on Facebook anyway. But others are very, very concerned. And uh, and there's a huge internal debate happening. Um, the thing I, I, I really want to highlight, though, is that um, Alex Stamos, who is the head of security at Facebook, was reported in the New York Times, I believe you mentioned earlier, will be leaving in August. Uh, he has uh, been kind of at the heart of um, tensions that have raged within the company around how Russia, uh, Russian operatives have manipulated the platform to try to sway the election with all kinds of fake activist pages and ads and what have you. 
um, you know, presented to American voters, specifically to um, kind of rile discord throughout the country. Uh, Facebook found out about this in, uh, you know, at least in November in tw- of 2016, it was reported in the New York Times. They didn't mention anything about it uh, until September, really fully, uh, of last year. Um, they they had a footnote about it in a report that in April of, of last year, um, you know, they, they knew about this for a long time and they didn't say anything about it um and and they were they were quiet uh so there's been tension about kind of how responsible facebook is is to its users for for you know about a year and a half now super interesting uh april glazer thank you so much for coming in thank you for having me april glazer writes about tech for slate she's been covering the new revelations about cambridge analytica's harvesting of data from 50 million facebook users we'll link to her coverage from our website kpfa.org previously she was at the electronic frontier foundation and you're heading up the new slate podcast if then yeah we have a, a podcast if then uh and it's uh it's it's been fun we get to talk to powerful people and i get to grill them about uh <laughs> how they use that power um but particularly in the tech industry so uh so lots of interesting conversations every week there and that was an extra from the upfront live show on kpfa uh, you might like it if you live in the bay area you might really like it we're on live 7 to 9 a.m on kpfa 94.1 fm we stream at kpfa.org we are archived shortly after the fact at kpfa.org as well this podcast upfront tech gets updated pretty irregularly. I'm the host, Brian edwards Teekert. Lucy King helps me produce the podcast, and it really helps us out if you rate and review it wherever you get it. If you want to send us feedback, send an email to upfront at kpfa.org. I will see you for the next one.